Now, with this pandemic worsening and there being an uptick in racism towards Asian Americans, it's made me reflect on the good old times when Asian Americans were at their peak, particularly that two-month window when Linsanity was sweeping the nation. And I happened to be living in New York City at that time, right there in the heart of it. And during that span, I wrote one of the best Facebook posts I'd ever written. And it reads, February 14th, 2012. Ever since Linsanity began, a lot more white chicks have been checking out my OkCupid profile. Nice. We've come to embrace the term social distancing from the Centers for Disease Control. That means avoiding group gatherings, plus crowded subways and buses. Social distancing in action. Social distancing. Social distancing. Social distancing. The new coronavirus buzz phrase. Yes, the buzz phrase of the moment is social distancing, also known as don't breathe on me, bitch. Adios you don't have any young people being like, you know, you only live once, la. Is that, is that a good Singaporean no. <laughs> Don't do that again. Adios <laughs> Dilo was number two pick, and what, what, what are his best moments? Like, he helped the Brooklyn Nets team to a, a first-round exit. He destroyed me down, right? <laughs> and grab my guitar and play. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for tuning in to the EWB podcast. This is your host, Emil Wang, and this is part four of social distancing. And today we have a very, uh, very special guest, a new guest, a new member of the EWB family, an avid listener of the pod, but I've never been able to get him on. My very good friend, Yen Min Chu, how are you? What's up, Emil? <laughs> Dude, it's so good to have you on. I've known you since sixth grade. Um, you've been on a lot of basketball teams together, but uh, you've moved out to Singapore, so I haven't had a, many chances to see you in the past couple of years, but um, every time I do, it's it's a real gem. Yeah, I mean, with a name like Yenmin, I have to stay in Asia, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I'm glad that I'm in Singapore right now. Yeah, you know, you're in Singapore, which is probably one of the the big reasons why I wanted to talk to you amid this uh, Corona pandemic. So what, what's it like being out there right now? What's, what's the directive for uh, mitigating the virus in Singapore? Is it just social distancing and home sheltering or is, is there a little bit more? Yeah. I mean, I think we started quite early. I think in uh, sometime in January, we already, I think with Chinese New Year coming up, I think Singapore already was very cautious with the flights from Wuhan and then uh, at the early stage, the government was like passing out masks to everybody. And then I think office buildings, um, a lot of public places, they had like temperature screening device. So that was like way, way early, uh, maybe like six to eight weeks ago. And then only maybe last two, three weeks, we started to um, practice more and more social distancing. And um, office buildings are like, uh, like at least for, like for our our um, company, uh, we split into two teams. Two weeks in the, you work from home and then you rotate. So um, in terms of the, the safe measures, um, I think the government is doing quite a good job. Only on, I think last Thursday was when we started shutting down um, bars and clubs and like movie theaters and stuff like that. 
mm-hmm. to prevent like big gatherings because well, there's all these people returning from U.S. and uh, Europe. So was that government orders or was that just each individual businesses just kind of doing their part? Uh, it was government order. So, oh, okay. I mean, they, they, they sent out a notice saying that things are going to be shut down until end of April. At the same time, they passed some like 55 billion stimulus plan. I mean, there's wow. only like five, 5.5 million people here. So, I mean, that's like 10,000 per person in that's, a way. That's U.S. dollars? You said 55 billion? Uh, Singapore dollars. So okay. Maybe that's around 40 or so. Oh, yeah. wow. That's but then, really impressive. Yeah, so, I mean, they take they take this social distancing like super seriously. In my even my condo building uh, on the way out, in and out of our main gate, they have these tapes on the floor, one meters apart. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like one at a time. And wow. Then our wow. elevator, they they install hand sanitizer. So mm. after you press the the, the the button, you can like sanitize your hand right away. I think people are quite diligent here. So overall, I would say quite safe. They're also quite strict. So I, I, I was just uh, looking at the news earlier today, and they, they took away someone's uh, passport for violating the stay-home uh, notice. Wow. So now if you come back from U.S. or U.K. or pretty much anywhere, you have to quarantine. pretty much quarantine yourself yeah, for 14 days. The, the way they check up on you is they actually uh, – I, I heard that they, uh, initially they would video call you, and then you had to send pictures of your four check-in spots within your house. Um, wow, <laughs> really? Yeah, That's yeah. And they have different person calling you each time, uh-huh. um, and that just to make sure that you're actually um, staying at home. And sometimes they, they knock at your door and check on you. So I mean, it's no no joke. Yeah, well, that's good, and, and that's good that they're allocating resources to it. Um, <clears throat> kind of backing up a bit. So you said that the government directive to shut down bars and uh, social areas was because a bunch of Americans were coming back. It, are, are people coming back because they're afraid of the U.S., or are they coming back because it's for other reasons? I think it's uh, – yeah, so right now you have to be Singaporean or have some type of a long-term visa to be coming back. So oh, I think okay. people were just scared, and then they're just kind of leaving Europe, leaving mm-hmm. U.S. Um, mm-hmm. to come back to Singapore. Wow. And then that's, I mean, now we're going through our, well, I guess what we call second wave, right? Yeah. So um, because of that, then um, things are a lot stricter now. Yeah, yeah. they were talking about that with uh, Taiwan and South Korea, where, um, you know, there are all the the articles in the beginning, how great the two uh, countries were doing. And, and rightfully so. They, you know, both of them have been awesome about it. But it's the second wave of everyone returning home to those countries that that's when it gets really scary. It's good that you guys are being even proactive for that. For that second wave. Yeah, Singapore is so small, and I think early on, I'm getting like one to twenty cases a day mm-hmm. on a daily basis. The government would their their um Ministry of Health website would update how many new cases today. Case number one lives in this area. He took a taxi to go to this hospital. <laughs> he, he took <laughs> a dump detail. at this bathroom and <laughs> went to yeah, the orchard the hotel. That they provide is crazy. <laughs> So now you see, oh, crap, better not go to that area and not touch any door handles there. I, well, I assume they they can't afford to do that in detail anymore, right, since there's you know more cases that are popping up. Uh, but you were you were telling me earlier that uh, WhatsApp has kind of been a, a big key part of this as well, right? Yeah, so now there's you know, obviously 50 to 70 cases a day. They, they send out daily uh, updates to um, WhatsApp. 
and then they essentially tell you, oh, uh, how many new cases? And if you want to see details, you go onto the site and they have the spreadsheet of all the people that tested positive today and their nationality, where they've been. Um, so that detail is still there, but obviously it's now just a spreadsheet. And then um, they also talk about like what's fake news out there. Um, I guess <laughs> anything <laughs> so, uh, coming out of our president, <laughs> nothing from your side, but there's been like um, people just going around saying that, oh, you're walking too close to the people in front of you. You're going to get fined for 300 bucks. Oh, yeah. Some type of social <laughs> distancing police or something. <laughs> SDP. Uh, yeah. So then so that's and then also another, I guess, app that they launched was something called Trace Together. It's uh, it uses your the Bluetooth in your phone. And anyone else that has the app installed, um, when you walk by close to them, it will just record it. So then, if um anyone that um, tests positive and then you happen to have been close to that person, you would get a notification. So I think that's how it works. I mean, luckily I, I didn't get any notification yet, but um, that's like another way they're they're kind of helping people to kind of do this contact tracing thing. Okay, so it's not enforced by by the government for anyone with a cell phone to install WhatsApp and and have this. It's a um you know the the Singaporean citizens who have WhatsApp on their phone are kind of buying into this in a sense for the greater good of the the country and it's for you know partly for your own safety so you are aware of what's going on. But if you do for whatever reason become exposed, at least the other people that you had become near would be notified. So it's kind of a good two-way street of, of uh, information sharing. Yeah. I mean, essentially, if you don't care about your privacy on where you've been, um, you, you download it. But I mean, you're not really, you can't really go anywhere nowadays anyway, right? Just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think it's actually a pretty good uh, app to have for, for now. I mean, you, given how, how, how crazy things are right now and I mean, the office is, I mean, we still go to office, right? So it's it's not like uh, we're completely shut down. I think school's still open. Um, kids still really? go to school. Wow. Yeah. So um, so there, there isn't like a huge disruption in terms of normal everyday life unless you work in like F&B, entertainment, and mm -hmm. I heard taxi drivers are maybe suffering a bit. But in terms of the, the broader economy, um, I think overall it's probably not as bad, badly hit as like you guys, I would say, or yeah. the U.S. <laughs> well, probably because we reacted too late, and you know we have we have too many uh, too many arrogant people. I mean, it's just you know for as great as the U.S. is, and you know as wonderful as the the melting pot, as people call it, um, of cultures that we have here, which is you know made it a place for you know our our parents to come over and successfully raise families here um, because we have this such a broad spectrum of nationalities and attitudes sort of things uh, attitudes toward these things I mean that's that's definitely contributed to this kind of um, arrogant approach of Americans to this whole thing the whole like spring break guys you know if I get <laughs> coronavirus I get coronavirus you know so I'm curious from your standpoint since you know you you lived in the u.s for a good part of your life uh have spent the past do i want to say decade in singapore culturally i mean what what do you think the differences are like why, why did it work in singapore i mean i think you know singapore i mean the the culture here i mean people are quite um i mean they they listen to the government i would say i mean as much as people say that oh, singapore like to complain etc but government does take care of them and they're quite transparent mm -hmm. right with them what they're doing how they're helping people and then i think people would generally will listen and then they try to communicate as much as they could you know through 
these like daily nighttime news channels or even WhatsApp channels, websites. I think they communicate with corporates quite closely. I think even right now, um, if you're running a company with more than like 10 staff or something, if you want to lay off someone, you have to communicate with the government first. Um, just, just so like, yeah, it's just so, it's, you know, something happened in US doesn't happen, right? I mean, 3.28 million unemployed. Yeah. Like some crazy number. So I think the way they operate here, it's um, this, this like pretty um, good structure. And I think culturally people tend to obey it, right? I mean, we can't even chew gum here, right? It's, so something as simple as that. <laughs> I, I think people, even our age, remember that kid from, I want to say 20, 25 years ago, who got caned for um, graffiti. Do you remember this guy? It was some white kid who was uh, who was over there at some international school, and he sprayed graffiti, I think, on a wall or something obnoxious <laughs> like that. It wasn't as basic as chewing gum, but he got his ass caned like five times. And originally it was supposed to be like yeah. 13, but Bill Clinton like flew over there and like begged for <laughs> something, something really bizarre. But... Yeah, I, I think that's that the government seems to take care of people, and uh, in return, people heed their uh, heed their directives pretty well. You know, you don't have any you don't have any young people being like you know, YOLO, or like I don't know, you only live once, la. Is that, is that a good Singaporean accent? <laughs> <laughs> don't do that again. <laughs> but but I mean, yeah. So people here, it's just you know, government is just very good at with the information flow and you know, try to handle things. And then I think China, maybe Taiwan, in a way are quite similar as well. Um, the way the, the people are when they when it comes to like the rules and, and such. And then in US, I think it's just freedom of speech, right? And you have two parties that can even agree on so many different simple things. So, and I just think, yeah, that's the main difference I would say. For how poorly, uh... China handled it in the beginning, you know, the, the, they got some things right in the end, you know, the, the numbers of, uh, reduced cases from Wuhan are, are staggering. And the fact that, you know, the, the CBA, I think is back up and running now, right? The Chinese basketball association is, is going again. It is, is pretty remarkable. I, I assume that they're not playing in front of fans. I'm not sure. Cause I had some friends in, uh, Shenzhen yesterday and then they were basically going out clubbing. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's back to normal outside of Wuhan because I think Wuhan opens up in um, April 8th or 6th or something so in another week or two they'll open up mm-hmm. and then I guess by end of April we'll know how um, how well controlled they are yeah. if there's any second wave or anything yeah well I, I, I'll guarantee you that nobody's going back to China for <laughs> for the second wave that's probably the, the last place people want to go in the world um, I, don't, here, I don't even know if there's any flights going there now. <laughs> <laughs> People are hopping on boats to try to get back into China. Um, how's the racism aspect of it? I mean, you, you probably hear about it here in the U.S., but in Singapore, is there any stigma towards uh, Chinese people? Um, I would say maybe, yeah, for, for people from China, might maybe a little bit here and there. I haven't really personally hear, heard anything or like witness it, but um, I mean, I do notice that like at workplaces, um, people from China tend to hang out together and then you know, Singaporeans hang out together. So, so I guess naturally people already gravitate towards like the same, I guess, culture and background, but nothing like what you're seeing in like US or, or UK. I mean, I even saw on the news um, maybe a month ago, some Singaporean guy was uh, 
beaten up at school in uh, Oxford or something. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy because so, it's, you know, we, we all look alike to them and to, to the ignorant, you know, they're not going to know any better, uh, which is, which is scary. Right. So at least in countries like Singapore, where it's a melting pot of Asians, you know, or, or a melting pot of inter- a lot of cultures, you know, the people should probably know the difference. I, I remember, you know, earlier you and I were talking how, you know, Singapore is, you know, generally because it's well-structured and wealthy, you know, you guys are pretty well taken care of, but, you know, your, your neighbors in, I don't know if they're actually neighbors, but <laughs> Indonesia, what's going on in Indonesia is terrifying. And that, that news clip you sent me was, was even worse than what, you know, what we're seeing from Italy. Yeah. So like, I mean, Indonesia and Malaysia is just kind of like our neighbors and the cases there are pretty much blowing up. And we think it's probably still underreported, given that they don't have um, test kits and their health system is just not anywhere near the level of um, Singapore. So I did hear like people were trying to come to Singapore to get treatment. I mean, this is even, I think the Ministry of Health talked about that. You know, we had to close our borders because too many people are crossing over to seek treatment. And, and I think in, in Indonesia, things are, I mean, Jakarta, um, I don't know if you've been there, but it's, it's like, it's like the city is pretty much like South Beach picture you saw with all the, the people partying, but that's just like every day on the street in the, <laughs> in the, in the city. <laughs> it's just so crowded and packed and just people are just all taking public transportation. There's just no way they can handle a, a virus spread. Especially if people are still going to work, right? Like it, it sounded like there was no government directive to shut down because th- there's no stimulus. There's there probably is no such thing as a stimulus that can that can go out and help these people, right? Yeah, I mean the the government there, I think people just generally don't have a lot of trust for on uh, with them. So, but I mean I'm not Indonesian where I don't interact with too many people over there. But generally, it's not there's nowhere near what you're seeing in like developed countries. And I, I just can't imagine like how things will be like. Let's say Singapore stabilizes. But like, do we open up our border? I mean, how, hmm. how do you go about it in May and June? The the poorer countries are still struggling with it. It's a tough kind of humanitarian humanitarian decision, right? Do you um do you protect your own? Uh, because it's it's kind of like one of those, and I don't want to compare sick people to zombies, but it's kind of like the zombie <laughs> movies where you know you have that gate, right? And then uh, you know it, it's well fortified. You have your um you know, your military with their machine guns just pointing at that one entryway. And then you have the, the, the mother and the kid that are trying to come through and, you know, they, who knows if they're infected with the zombie virus, but you let them in, uh, what kind of catastrophe could, could you create? And yeah, I think, um, it's probably, I mean, WSO is probably already planning something, you know, maybe sending help when us or UK or these wealthy countries stabilizes and see how it can help them about Overall, it's just yeah, quite scary to think that, you know, all we think about now is like finding the curve, um, get get uh, people back to work. But when you're back to work, is there like a, a global demand <laughs> when all the other countries are, you know, the factories in Indonesia is going to start shutting down. Related to that, you work in, um, I don't know if I even am calling it right, but a long-only hedge fund. Uh, no, like long-only um, asset management. But okay. Basically, you know, hedge funds they they have um, long positions and short positions, and mm-hmm. we we pretty much only buy the underlying equities, the un- like the stocks, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, so you're not involving yourselves in the shady business that a uh, contributor George Wu discussed. 
No, no, I don't make money when the market goes down. You know, I can't, I don't bet against the market. So when the market falls, we, you know, we either buy, we hold more cash or we rotate into a company like Gilead, who's making drugs to save lives. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Business advice from the EWB pod. Thank you, George Wu. <laughs> so do you see your work slowing down or um, I, I assume you guys are bracing for it, right? So, so a time like this for us is super busy. So we're constantly trading. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I guess, for example, um, if uh, last year you had, you know, 5% of your portfolio in Microsoft, then you probably did quite well, right? And you don't need to do anything. It, the stock just keeps going up. But with the past, like, month, you know, you have these um, 7% up, 10% down, and all these crazy roller coaster days. Um, we can't really just sit on our positions as it is. So we, we do rotate, you know, we sell some sell us on position and switch into some of more defensive names. So um, it's actually busier for, for us during this time, just because there's so much volatility. Um, good busy, bad busy, or just busy? I mean, since I joined, I mean, we had what, the trade war and now the, the virus and now we're going to have some type of recession. <laughs> I think personally, I guess it's good busy <laughs> learning, yeah. getting yeah. like 10 years of training in like the last year and a half. Yeah. But in terms of, I guess, uh, portfolio returns, um, no, it's it's OK. We're outperforming the, the index and just because the index is down so much, but we're, we're still like a couple percent down. So. In a way, financially, it's probably not good, <laughs> but <laughs> relatively, I think it's, uh, it's it's good busy, I would say. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, I just want to wrap this up with uh, how are you personally handling it? You and Felicia got your, your guys' place. Uh, I, I know you haven't really left your place in two weeks. What's what's that been like? You, you pick up any hobbies? You uh, have any epiphanies? Have you reflected on life? I think both uh, Jeff and uh, George had some pretty good feedback. Um, anything that you want to share? I mean, I think uh, I've been locked in for the past two weeks just because uh, I lost touch with so many friends, like people mm-hmm. I knew and mm-hmm. a lot of guys in the Bay, and then just gave me a chance to um, reach out and, and catch up a bit more. And now that there's no NBA, no sports to watch. I know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do with all this time, right? <laughs> and then, you know, at, at the beginning, I was able to go to the gym and work out, and now um, the gyms are closed, actually. So, so it's just like, what what can you do? I mean, Netflix is just, you know, whatever is now. It's the shows they put up there. I mean, yeah, well, we, we got a new JTL show. I don't know if you saw no, it. <laughs> no, I, I don't know if I'd be able to see it, but it, is it an action one, or what kind of show is it? It just travels around and then um, does magic. It's a <laughs> Netflix show. Oh... <laughs> uh... I saw the, the preview. I was like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You know, I, I like obviously not watching any sports, but I, I really haven't been watching that much Netflix either. Um, part of it is because I have a kid, but part of it is um, with this time, like you said, I, I've been actually trying to catch up with a lot more people, um, you know, first of all, just to see how they're doing, but also to see, you know, how different areas are handling this and different industry or people in different industries respond. So it's, it's really cool to be able to, hear from you and kind of hear your perspective, especially since you're in the heart of this, this country that's kind of set the gold standard for what mitigation should have looked like and what Americans could possibly still learn from. I mean, it might be too late. Who knows? 
Yeah, I mean, I think you know America probably. I think they did. We US did well, right? They closed the border in uh, in January, where quite early, right? So people from China and Guam couldn't come in. But I think they probably should have ramped up production. But it's, yeah, they just kind of sat on on it for a bit too long. But I guess the the private sector, I mean, this is just so powerful, right? I mean, all these uh, diagnostic tests or all this medical supply, they're gonna start make, manufacturing. So hopefully, you know, the 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 private industry can just make up the lost time for you guys. Yeah, and kind of help help shore up these gaps in the the medical treatment. Final thoughts: Lakers basketball passing to Kobe. Ready to talk about it or? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, it's been. I mean, I think we we talked a bit um, when it first happened. And, yeah, yeah, and I asked you to be on the pod, and you said it'd, it'd be too hard. So um, yeah, and, and I understand. I still haven't. Yeah, I haven't really gone back to listen to any of those sports podcasts or read any of the stuff on ESPN, and it's just that. You know, life is just so fragile, and now you have this COVID-19 thing, and it just makes you appreciate a bit of um, what you have and you, the time you have. And I was really hoping that you know, LeBron and AD can win it for Kobe this year, but I don't even know what's going to happen <laughs> with the season. That would have been a great story, and who knows? I mean, they, you know, I, I'm sure they'll come up with something, you know, a, a quick tournament that's played in maybe even in just everyone gets flown into one city or something, and... You know, they play in an empty arena, kind of March Madness style. That'd be that'd be a coordination effort, but I think it it at least gives some resolution to the season. But it it really would be sad if the whole thing got canceled because it, despite you know the injuries to KD, Kyrie, you know Steph, Clay, you know, so many others, um, the, the NBA is still littered with so much talent, and there were so many interesting storylines from both the East and West that. Man, it really would have been a fun, a fun NBA playoffs if it uh, if it happened. And it's also our best chance to win. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you think they would have won? Do you think they're better than the Clippers? I think you know I don't even remember when how AD played against the Blazers in a, in the in the playoff a couple of years ago. I think if that AD um, shows up, I just I don't see who can guard him on the on the Clippers side. I mean, you're gonna put Kawhi on on AD, or are you gonna put Zubac? Montrez. Yeah, May Montrez. I mean, unless they can just get away with mugging him, there's no way they can stop him, right? <laughs> so, so I think, yeah. Like, you know, the, I mean, I don't know how the Warriors were able to do it, but the Warriors, you know, swept him a couple of years ago. And maybe part of that was New Orleans really doesn't have much of a sporting cast. He, he wasn't playing with LeBron and uh, all those other guys. But, you know, I, I'm sure there's a way to, way to defend him. Not going to be easy, but... He's he, he's not unstoppable, is what I'm saying. I mean, Dray, Draymond is like what defensive player of the year consideration yeah. type of defender. And That's you have true. Clay. I yeah. mean, so essentially, you take down Drew, you take down AD, or you contain him, slow him down. Then that's pretty much all their weapon, right? So I, I mean, for for Clippers, Kawhi's good, but are you know, they going to really risk that and put Kawhi mm. on him for the whole game? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I like our chances. I like our chances. I'm not too. too How about again the Bucks? Bucks would be quite tough, I would say. So if if, they, if their shooters are hitting it, then it's really there's nothing much we can do. Yeah. But I know I, I I take my chances against that core of shooters versus I don't know the like you, even the Warriors shooters. You know you guys are so much better. I mean who they have like uh, West Matthews, Divincenzo. I mean, 
Lopez. Lopez. Yeah. Uh, they got um, I think Kyle Korver's over there. I don't know. I don't know how much he plays, but I think he, he does get some. He does get some minutes over there too. Yeah, you know, every time I watch the Lakers, I, I'm I'm shocked with how good their defense is. And part of that is, you know, you can rely on AD, and then you can rely on LeBron as kind of those the weak side, uh, weak side, uh, weak side block guys or weak side help guys. But even around the perimeter, they they don't do that bad. Like for how yeah, I mean, you know washed up, you know Rondo, um, Bradley, <laughs> Avery Bradley is supposed to be, you know, and uh, like Kuzma I think sucks, but uh, I think you know when he wants to try on defense, he's not bad either. Like they they got some good players. Caruso, love me my Caruso. <laughs> MVP Caruso. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, their defense has been the most surprising thing. I mean, I think it's the defensive mentality that the, the these smaller guys, right? Like Bradley, Danny Green, Caruso. Oh, yeah. I forgot about I mean, Danny Green. They're, they're like dogs on defense, right? And then Quinn and Cook. if you get by them, <laughs> Quinn Cook. I mean, I wish he played more, but every time he comes on the court, he catches the ball, he just lets it go. <laughs> <laughs> no pass Cook. Yeah, he's a big minus player. I liked him. I vouched for him a lot on the EWB pod like crazy during last year's playoffs. He got torched by uh, Van Fleet in that in that game six. So like, <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. I I have lost all credibility as a, as a basketball analyst. <laughs> But yeah, I mean they 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 play with heart, man. Like that that's that's a very talented old team that plays with heart. Yeah, I mean LeBron has been quite inspiring. That guy is like 55 years old and he still <laughs> runs around all game long. It's so able to do like dunks and all that. Dude, isn't it crazy that like last year he played, you know, like somewhat of a full NBA season, didn't have to go to the playoffs. This year it's going to be um, you know, like a very truncated season as well. I was listening to Bill Simmons talking. He's like, man, is load management ever going to be a thing again for the at least the next two or three years? I mean, these basketball players just got like possibly a six month vacation where they don't have to worry about a the playoffs or b you know some kind of world tournament. Like these guys better be ready to come back if the season gets canceled. These guys better be ready to come back and you know give us a 100% product. Yeah, as long as they're not just like drinking and partying, they're staying in shape. <laughs> well, like, hopefully they're not drinking and partying right now. But um, yeah, but next season is gonna be pretty crazy. I would say next year things becomes normal and everyone's healthy. Yeah. I mean, look at the West. I mean, like Blazers are probably not gonna make it this year, and they have like a top fifteen player. I would say. What Dame? Yeah, I mean Dame. Dame's gotten so much better. Um, and yeah, the Nurkic like unstoppable at times. Yeah, it's just wow. There's so much talent in the competition. It's just quite exciting. Yeah, I I can't wait. But um, guess we just got to get over that hump, right? Yeah, and you guys got a first pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, and unfortunately, I don't follow college uh, college ball too much. But um, you know, I've, I've been reading some articles on it, especially in the re- these recent days, since there's nothing else to talk about. You know, one thing I like about this Warriors team. You know, kind of the way we've positioned ourselves is we don't really need that number one pick to be a an like an immediate impact player, right? If you look at our starting lineup, it's Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Dre, and then Marquise Chris, who's been an awesome starting center, right? And then off the bench, you got the guys that we essentially tried out this year. Um, Jordan Poole's gotten better. Um, God, I feel like it's so long ago that. Uh, 
Mike, Mike, no, not fucking better. Uh, uh, Mikhail Mulder has been pretty good. Uh, Looney, and then yeah, Pascal. Pascal's the, the the big one. So we got a bunch of guys that make a legitimate NBA rotation. You know, the number one pick doesn't have to be thrown into that. Hey, you know, uh, drop twenty and ten right away for us, otherwise you're a bust kind of thing. Like he can kind of groom, be groomed uh, over the first two years while. Stephen Clay can still have that supporting cast around them. Yeah, maybe you should just trade him. Give me the clues, my Bob Bob Myers would lose his job for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Warriors got got a super strong core. I mean, I thought Wiggins was actually a pretty good addition. I thought it was great too. I don't. Yeah, D'Lo sucks, man. Like, I don't, I don't understand how all these analysts are like so like so upset over the Warriors doing this I mean you know Wiggins obviously hasn't been great for the T-Wolves as the number one pick but I mean D'Lo was the number two pick and what 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 are his best moments like he helped the Brooklyn Nets team to a a first round exit like whoop-de-doo right he destroyed Nick Young right Oh, but, I mean, man. I think about it, just like you had Harrison Barnes, and then it became KD, and now we have Wiggins. I mean, Wiggins, you know, still better than Barnes, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, maybe not as versatile on defense, but I think, you know, uh, that's not exactly what we need. I think we're, I think we're fine. I think it's... To, to get turn D'Lo into Wiggins and a future first-round pick from the Timberwolves, I, I think we did good. I mean, what what's the extra couple million over a few years? I I don't see it hurting us that much. Yeah, that's why you know for for us we gotta win it this year because it's gonna be tougher. Yeah. Down the road. I agree. Years. Well, here, here's to hoping that the NBA season comes back. Um, I don't necessarily want the Lakers to win, but if they do, I'll I'll be happy for you, Yan Minchu. For sure. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thanks. It's been so good catching up. Take care. I got my toes in the water, ass in the sand. Not a worry in a world of cold beer in my hand. Life is good today. Life is good today. Adios and Viacondios. A long way from GA. Yes, and all the muchachas, they call me Big Papa When I throw pesos that way Adios and vaya con Dios A long way from GA Someone do me a favor and pour me some Jaeger And I'll grab my guitar and play